0: Welcome to the Crave Magazine podcast, feeding your soul with art.
1: What is life if you don't have art? Give your art to the world because the world needs that.
0: Embrace mentors. Look at the people who have already done what you've done. If you have enough discipline and enough focus, then you're able to achieve what you want to achieve. Sometimes you have to stand out to fit in. Okay, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different in the Crave Magazine podcast. We are discussing the art of ballooning. The big giant balloons that people fly in with wicker baskets and the like. We are talking with Steve Hunter. He is a balloon pilot and enthusiast with over 30 years experience in the field. He got his first ride in 1983, fell in love, and became a balloon pilot the next year. He also builds balloons, which we'll be talking about. He also has flown balloons all over the world and he has volunteered his time for 12 years as the Balloon Meister of the Erie Town Fair, which happens every year in May in Erie, Colorado, along the Front Range, and we'll learn all about what it means to be the Balloon Meister. Anyway, glad to have Steve on the show, and we're going to dive right into the podcast. Here we go. Okay, Steve, we uh, start off every interview with an inspiration, something that inspires you, whether it's uh, a music or something you see out in nature or an artist or something like that. And working as a balloonist uh, and creating your own balloons, I'm sure that you have ideas that come about, but where do you get your inspiration from to, to build the balloons that you build?
1: Well, it'll be a, just an idea that pops into my brain, or I will see some other balloons and, and I'll steal part of the design from them, particularly going to the Albuquerque. You get to see a lot of special shapes that are made by true professionals, and I'll steal a little bit of this and a little bit of that end up putting something together of my own.
0: And you cut out there for a second. Did you say going to the Albuquerque Balloon Festival? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's get more into your story. Um, how did you get started as a balloonist? And and w- we take us on that journey of...
1: Back in 1983, I had a supplier calling on me for a business I owned. And he mentioned that he had a higher balloon and would I be interested in going for a ride? And I said, sure. So that following Sunday, I took my daughter and the two of us went up with him in a balloon. I just thought, boy, this is, this is something I could get involved in. And I've, I've always been quite claustrophobic and you get up in the air in an open basket and it's, it's a really great, great feeling. And the timing was right. I was in the process of selling the business and uh, taking some time off. So I bought a balloon and this, Particular friend that gave me balloon lessons, and by the following year I had accumulated enough hours to take my test and get my license. And I took off from there. Been flying ever since.
0: So, so as a balloonist, is like a, any other kind of pilot, you need to have a license, correct?
1: Yes. Uh, we go through the same procedure that a fixed wing pilot does, only it's shortened, it's abbreviated. Uh, we have to have ten hours of dual flight instruction. We have to have a couple of solo flights. We have to take a written FAA exam, and then we have a uh, flight exam by a designated flight examiner, and he's the one that uh, is authorized by the FAA to give us the license.
0: Now, as a balloonist, you're uh, pretty much you're governed by the winds, right? The winds take you where they want to take you.
1: Is that... Yeah, the, the whole idea of it is to try and navigate by going to different altitudes, to catch a breeze, to take in the direction you want to go. And as you go up, we, you know, mentally let's look at our altimeter and we see where the breeze is at different altitudes. And we kind of play those breezes. And to get to an exact spot uh, is a real challenge. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's what most of the balloon competitions are. They're navigational things, to be specific.
0: I see. Okay. And do you have to, um, if you want to fly a balloon, do you have to like file a flight plan like you do with uh, airplanes?
1: No, no, we do not. Okay. We don't file. We don't file flight plans. The only interaction we have with the FAA when we're flying is we have to stay out of areas around the airports. Sure. And we can. We can enter. an area around an airport, if we call them on our aviation radio and we basically get permission.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, this podcast is about artists, and part of the reason we're talking to you is not only are you a balloonist in that you fly balloons, but you also create balloons. You you build balloons, right? Yes. So, tell us about that. How did that come about? How did you decide that you wanted to sew together balloons and, and, and produce balloons? Tell us that story.
1: Well, um, I have a really good friend who built a balloon up in Greeley, and I helped him a little bit with it, you know, cutting out the material and putting it together. And uh, it just kind of inspired me to go ahead and take a shot and build one. So I did. It was not the best balloon. <laughs> but it did fly. I never had any problems. It was a very heavy fabric. So it was hard to handle on the ground. But just got started that way. And then built another one and another one and another one. I would take a long time to do it. I wasn't in any rush. I work on, on sewing uh, maybe a couple hours and then I put it away, and get it back out a week or two later and sew some more. So it, it, it it took a while to do it. I did purchase a double, an old double-needle Singer sewing machine, a uh, commercial one. Sewing the material itself is quite easy because it's thin, but all of the load tapes around it, it can be a problem. So you need a heavy-duty heavy, a heavy duty commercial machine for that.
0: Sure. Do you have any idea the amount of hours that is required to, to build a balloon?
1: Well, my easiest one was probably 100 hours. Uh, and my most complicated one was maybe 250 hours. Wow. But again, it was spread out over a long period of time, and I didn't really log the hours. I didn't keep track of them, so I'm I'm really just kind of guessing.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Um, Tell us, if you will, what are some challenges that you had along the way in relation to the ballooning, things that setbacks or any kind of difficulties that you may have had that you've overcome?
1: Well... Sewing a panel in backwards, which I did a couple of times, <laughs> and to rip it all out and start over again, not not a lot of fun.
0: What does it mean but when you sew it in backwards? Like what is that? How's that a bad? <laughs>
1: well, it doesn't fit together right.
0: Oh okay. <laughs>
1: you know, the, the way you do it is you you uh, have all these small panels and you sew those together to make a strip that goes from the top to the bottom. Okay. And then when you get all of those strips made, it's usually about twenty. Uh, then you sew those together. Uh, so if you've got a panel in backwards, um, well, you you would know it almost right away. I did it a
0: couple times. Sure. Do you use a pattern like you would if you were making, like, say, a dress or a suit or something like that? Is it the same same kind of idea?
1: Yeah. I had this program. Like, it's been so long ago, I can't even tell you where I got it. But you load it into your computer and you put in the size that you want in, in cubic feet. So if I wanted a 90,000 cubic foot balloon, I could punch that in, uh, and it would show me uh, the size of all of the different panels. It would be like 13 panels going from the top to the bottom. Okay. Of gores, maybe 20 of the gores going around the balloon, And this computer program would tell me the size of each one of those panels.
0: And then um, do you get, like, raw cloth? Like, what kind of cloth is balloons typically made out of? What kind of material? Okay.
1: You can get either urethane coated or silicone coated. Uh, it's basically the same material that a ski jacket is made out of. In their case, they're doing that to, to keep the wet out. In our case, we want to keep the heat in. Right. So that's why the coating. Okay. So the ripstop, in most cases nylon, can be polyester. But it's a ripstop fabric, and then it's coated with either silicone or urethane. Either one works just fine. I found a source in Los Angeles that I could get my material from, and it was all silicone coated. So that's what I use for my balloons.
0: Okay. How about successes that you've had, like something that um, you're really, really proud of, or maybe a balloon design that you did that you really love? Well, if
1: you look at the photo, the little yellow balloon with the face on it was probably what I'm known for more than any other. Uh, And it flew in Albuquerque, Fiesta, many, many years. And I even took it to Australia, shipped it down there, and flew it in a big event. So uh, that was probably my most successful one in terms of wide acceptance within our community.
0: Sure. That's the balloon that has the hands on it and the face? Yep. Okay. We called it it Bumpy. Bumpy. Uh, Bumpy. B U M P Y. Okay. So, and I remember seeing that balloon. So, for those people listening, this photo is on our website, on the Crave Magazine Denver website, um, of the balloons that Steve has built over the years. And it's a yellow balloon, has a big smiley face, and it has not only hands, but also feet coming off of it. It's a fantastic balloon. So, um, thank you for sharing that. Also, I wanted to ask. We're doing this in conjunction with the Erie Town Fair uh, in Erie, Colorado, and every year they have a balloon launch. And you've been what they call the uh, Balloon Meister over the years, and can you tell us what that entails and what that's all about?
1: Well, going back uh, 20 years, I guess, um, I was contacted by, at the time, it was the Board of Directors of, the, uh, of Erie, of the town of Erie, and they wanted to start a, a balloon festival. And one of my student pilots that I taught to fly, uh, he was very much involved with the Erie uh, Erie at that time. So we combined our efforts and we started the uh, town fair balloon event, doing it in conjunction with the Erie town fair. And I did that for 12 years, I think it was all together, and then turned it over to somebody else to, to run it. But I still fly in it, I'll be out there this weekend, if the weather allows us to, and we'll, we'll be fine.
0: What does, that, what does it entail in, in being a balloonmeister? What are some of your responsibilities?
1: Well, in, in this particular case, it's not always sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce, but this event is. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce gets sponsors, uh, normally businesses within the community, and they will sign up for a balloon ride, and they'll pay so much for the sponsorship, and then it would be my job to um, get enough pilots to bring their balloons to the event to take all of these sponsors for a balloon ride, and then uh, also you had to work in conjunction with the FAA, you had to file some paperwork with the FAA to make sure it was all legal, and then I would actually run the event as far as the uh, balloon launch was concerned and we would fly friday saturday and sunday uh and which is what we will do hopefully this coming weekend probably not friday from the looks of the weather but but that's what a balloonmeister does it's just person in charge of the the flying event
0: now are there are there weight limits and that sort of thing that you have to be aware of or you have to take into consideration
1: yeah different size balloons uh carry different amount of weight so, what I would do is I would get the size of the balloon from each of the pilots that were invited to the event. And, um, and then we would try and coordinate that with, uh, the sponsors that wanted to take the balloon ride. And, you know, we'd have to ask them their weight. We'd take two to three, um, sponsors on a flight.
0: Okay. What's the largest number of balloons that you've ever uh, had to manage in one year?
1: Uh, I think we had sixty one year close oh. to it. Yeah,
0: Wow, that seems like um, a lot of yeah, balloons.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we've got I think we've got thirty coming this coming uh, weekend for the Erie event, and that's been pretty much what we've done for the last few years. Uh, When we did get 60, that was, oh, probably 10 years ago. And there were a lot more people involved in ballooning than there is today. We unfortunately uh, have lost balloonists and ballooning people who who have lost interest. And uh, we just don't have as many balloonists today as we did 10, 15 years ago. Uh, Why do you think that is? Uh, Primarily the expense. People getting into it, just, you know, it's like buying another car. Sure, uh, and uh, it's expensive, and you try and get young people interested into into ballooning, and uh, it's difficult for them to put out that kind of money.
0: What is the cost of an average balloon? Uh,
1: they're, they're, you know, right, right around forty thousand.
0: Okay, and then and then the cost of like a flight, like uh, the gas or whatever, and all that kind of stuff. To...
1: Well, you can it, it will depend on your balloon. But anywhere from 100 to $200 is what it costs per flight. Okay. So that, in- that includes some depreciation. Uh, insurance
0: is fairly expensive. And then uh, propane. So it's like buying a really nice truck and then having to fill it with gas every time you take it out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would be necessary to get... More people involved in ours. Like I know, as a kid, we had a balloonist down the street, and I I had gone up in that balloon. And I remember the first time I used to live in Erie, a balloon landed in a back in our backyard, and I was fascinated. I mean, I was an adult. This was about five six years ago. I was blown away, and I found out more about the town fair and the, with the balloon launch that they did. And I just I would go out there every morning during the town fair and watch these balloons take off. And it's just to me, it's fascinating. Um, it's really really spectacular to see these.
1: It's even more spectacular to be flying
0: one. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I'm excited to have that opportunity. Um, h- how do we get people involved in it? How do we get more people to be, to be? I know it's expensive, but you know if, if it's spectacular. Uh, well, you know, in
1: addition to the, in addition to the balloon, you have to have a truck or a van, and you have to have an interior fan. You got a lot of additional equipment, so uh, it just makes it compounds. It makes it even more difficult. But, you know, I don't know what the answer is, to tell you the truth. Uh, I guess we just need the economy to expand and people to make more money. I
0: don't know. <laughs> sure. That's a, that would help for sure. Absolutely. How has being a balloonist affected your life? Uh, affected other areas of life, or affected the way you see things?
1: Well, it's you know it's my hobby, and uh, I've never tried to make uh, make money off of it like a lot of balloonists do. You know who's self paid rides. To me it's just been been my hobby and it's you know, it's like uh, having a cabin in the mountains or a camping trailer or, you know, some other activity that you're involved in. We go to a lot of balloon festivals. So we have these mini vacations because, you know, they will pay a lot of expenses for the pilot. Uh, we will go to Telly Ride for a balloon festival up there and the steamboat springs and snowmass at Aspen, etc. That makes it a lot of fun.
0: Where is the most majestic place that you've ever gone to uh, fly your balloon?
1: Boy, it'd be a toss-up between Snowmass and Telluride. Really? I like flying. Yeah, I like flying in the mountain valleys.
0: Is it yeah. more dangerous to fly in the mountains?
1: Well, you fly in the valleys. You don't. We don't fly over the peaks. Sure. And um, uh, you can find yourself in a position where it's hard to have your retrieval vehicle find you or, or get you out you know I've had to I've had to uh, you know be taking everything apart and hauled it out piece by piece and take three or four hours that's no fun
0: yeah have you ever had any ca- I'm sorry go ahead
1: no I'm sorry you, go ahead
0: what you're saying Oh, I was going to ask, have you ever had um, kind of a close call or any kind of dangerous situation with the balloon and the winds or what have you?
1: I've had a couple of landings that have made me nervous where the wind has picked up uh, and we're racing along. I'm trying to set it down to find a a large enough field, but uh, I've never hurt anybody, so I guess that's good, (laughs) myself included.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's very good, yes.
1: been roughed up a little bit, but uh, uh, nothing, nothing serious at
0: all. Now you've created eight balloons. Is that correct that you've built? Yeah. Um, do you have all those balloons, or have you sold them? Do you... Oh no, uh, a couple
1: of them. I just uh, they wore out. Okay. Uh, over a period of years and many flights. And I would take a lot of the pieces and parts and, and build another one from it. Mm. And a couple of them are still flying that I have sold, just simply to get enough money to build another one. Um, but I've never, you know, uh, I never built a balloon to turn around and sell it. Okay. Uh, no, I've never done that. But I only have I have one factory balloon and one home-built balloon now.
0: What do you love most about flying?
1: Like well, again, going back to my original comment about being claustrophobic, you get up in the air and, and you can see you know forever, and uh, it's just very, very peaceful. and uh, to me it's it's always been a thrill. I always look forward to the next one.
0: Is there anything you don't like about the process?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, as I get older, I'm not really excited about the cold early mornings. <laughs> so I, I have instituted a rule that if the overnight temperature drops below 40 degrees, I stay home. Okay. Um, so that's the one thing. And then, you know, there's, there's some physical labor involved to get it all laid out and inflate. And that gets to be a drag.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, you Now, you mentioned the weather the Erie Town Fair, while we're recording this, the Erie Town Fair is coming up this weekend and there is call for some bad weather. What is the, um, in general, what is the rules about weather and whether or not to fly?
1: Well, obviously, if there's storms in the area, we don't fly, period. Um, You'll have an outflow from a storm that could create a, a, a really strong wind and you don't want that. We normally will fly in... 10 mile an hour winds or less personally i like it to be around seven miles an hour or less that's why we go first thing in the morning because the atmosphere is very stable in the morning and you get you know the gentle breezes in the afternoon you get thermals as it, as it heats up and the winds are always much stronger so early morning but right after sunrise we fly and try to keep it under 10 mile an hour winds
0: Is the sunrise a factor in like uh, the heating of the earth and causing sort of like an uplift in the air and the warming of the air? Does that help the balloon?
1: No, no, not at all. We don't, we want stability. We want calm stability. And when you have thermals rising from the sun heating the the earth, what happens is the sun heats uh, the ground unevenly. It, It heats it up differently over water or over asphalt or over dirt, mm-hmm. um, and you don't want that. And that's We normally say uh, for three hours after sunrise. Okay. That's when we fly, because of the stability.
0: Okay, why should we care about ballooning? That's
1: just a, it's a, a pretty experience. It's, it's a fun experience. I can't say anything more about it than that, really. Oh,
0: you don't have to say anything more, that's it. Uh, <laughs> have,
1: you,
0: have you ever had any passengers absolutely hate it and like swear they'd never get on a balloon again or anything like that?
1: Yes, I have. Unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Would you like to talk about that Uh, experience at all?
1: (laughs) Um, I took my mother-in-law for a flight once (laughs) and she had, I have a seat in, in my basket and she was on the seat and she had a death grip on either side of the rail. And as soon as we got up, she said, take me down i don't want to do this
0: oh my goodness and i've had
1: a, a couple of people that have just freaked out and i've had to land right away and let them out of the basket
0: is that a, a fear of heights kind of thing or you know yeah
1: it's yeah it's that and uh, uh, i guess a fear of not having control
0: sure have you ever had anybody that was that started off and said wow you know i'm really fear fearful of heights but i'm this is something I want to do, and then they overcame that fear by going up in a balloon.
1: You know that happens all the time. I'll, I'll do a tether flight where we we tie we tie off the balloon to my van, and I'll go up. Um, I've got a long tether line. I'll go up maybe 50 feet, and uh, you know say to them, "Okay, now how is this?" And almost invariably. They'll say, "Oh, this isn't scary. This isn't scary at all." And we'll cut loose the tether line, go for a flight. But because you're going with the breeze, it's a very solid uh, experience. You're not buffeting around like you do in an airplane, where you're cutting through the air. We're going with the air. Okay. Uh, so it's a very, a very stable
0: flight. So, do you, can you even feel if the breezes are calm or you know ten miles an hour less? Can you? even feel any sort of breeze when you're up there?
1: No, you're going with the with the wind, you're going with the breeze. Now, you, you sometimes we'll go through a shear where the, the direction of the wind changes and you can feel that. But again, because we're flying first thing in the morning, those shears are, are not severe. It's not like turbulence in an airplane that's you know bouncing you around.
0: Right. So I always ask this of the artists that I interview, and I'm going to ask it to you in a two-part question. What's one piece of advice that you give to someone who really would love to experience going on a balloon ride but has that fear of heights or fear of whatever? What would you say to them? Well,
1: step, step number one is to find a balloon pilot that needs crew help. And we all do because this is not something we can do by ourselves. You know, we need three to four people. Uh, to act as crew, to put the balloon up, or to chase on the ground and uh, and then be there when you land. And, and for newbies to find a pilot that uh, they can crew for. And then uh, in most cases, particularly in my case, I always make sure that my crew people get a balloon flight and, uh, in, in, uh, you know, to pay them for helping me out. And I've had several students who I've taught to fly over the years who started as crew and got a flight in and
0: went, oh yeah this is kind of cool <laughs> and uh, you know wanted to continue with it sure but, uh, well that was going to be the, the second half of the question it was what piece of advice would you give to someone who is interested in becoming a balloon pilot well
1: like I said you need to find a uh, a balloon pilot that needs crew help. And we all do. Uh, Um, there is an organization in Denver, it's the Colorado balloon club. And, uh, you can find them online, uh, and you can make a request to hook up with a balloon pilot through them or come out to one of the balloon festivals. We have this one in Erie. There's a big one in Colorado Springs over Labor Day. Um, so there's a couple of local ones. And just go out on the field and talk to balloonists. They love to chat and talk about their balloon and what they're doing. And uh, they'll recruit you if you're interested.
0: <laughs> okay. Of the, uh, of the balloonists that, like you said on average, is about 30 balloons or so involved in the Erie Town Fair over the years, um, uh-huh. how many of those balloonists would you say are, are flying in commercial balloons versus like you have made their own balloon?
1: The do-it-yourself home-built balloon community is quite small. There's probably, oh, less than 10 uh, in the state of Colorado home-built balloons that are flying today, mm. uh, but there's uh, out of the 30 who come to the balloon affair, almost all of them are going to be sport balloonists. Now, they, they do have a couple of big commercial balloons uh, that will participate in the event,
0: would that be like the Remax balloon or balloons that advertise businesses?
1: Well, the Remax uh, balloon, no, that's not a big balloon. It only carries two passengers. Okay. But uh, Fairwinds, which is the big ride company here in Boulder County, he can take. Let's see. I think he can take 10, 10 to twelve people in his basket. It's a big, big balloon, obviously. So, and then he has he has another balloon that. Uh, he, he has fly with him that can take another eight or nine, another one. take five. He'll take groups of up to 40 people in uh, about five different balloons.
0: So when you say big commercial balloons, you're actually talking about like a commercial balloon operation. Yeah, yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah no, no. A, ride, a ride operation. Okay. What do you hope to uh, give to people? like What do you hope that people experience from the balloon ride that they can take away?
1: Well, in almost all cases, it's a bucket list thing for people. They want to see the balloons, and somewhere along the line, they want to participate in it. And you know, you want to give them a good experience, something that that they will enjoy. Um, that's that's about all you can hope to do.
0: Sure, <laughs> sure. What do you, what do you think holds most people back from from getting on a balloon or or, or crossing it off their list, as you say?
1: Yeah, that's, I know, in talking to the owner of Fairwinds, like I say, the big ride company here, he said almost everybody that, you know, he takes out there, it's a bucket list thing and that, you know, it's an experience that they want to have. So, you know, most people just do it once. (laughs) Really? Yeah.
0: Now, the big commercial operations I know, um, that they do a lot of different like you can do the balloon rides and don't they also do like champagne rides and these kind of like they try to make an experience more than just flying in a balloon
1: yeah yeah they'll they'll have t-shirts made up with their company logo on them they give everybody that goes up and they'll have a little mini breakfast many times for them and uh, they'll pop champagne and champagne and Learning have gone hand in hand since, well, since the very beginning. <laughs> um,
0: do you know so. why that is? I'm sorry? I said, do you know why that is? Why they go hand in hand?
1: Well, the, the story goes that in 1783, two French brothers, Joseph and Etienne Montgolfier, um, they were manufacturers of wallpaper, and they noticed burning little bits of uh, wallpaper in their fireplace it, it rose up the chimney and they thought it was the smoke and um the very first flight of a hot air balloon was in france and they they uh, filled a an envelope with smoke and it took off and when it landed they had some problems with the landowners who didn't know what this thing was and they broke out the champagne and uh, they toasted the flight with the landowners, and ever since then, they've gone hand in hand.
0: <laughs> That's a great story. I've not heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have champagne when people go over for rides with you?
1: I can I, I, I well, I don't take it with me in the basket, but um, yes, when we finish with the flight, I always have a bottle of champagne in the cooler in my van. Okay. And we'll we'll break it out. We have a little ceremony that we go through. Hosting the, uh, the first-timers who have gone up in the balloon. We usually mix it
0: with orange juice, so ah. make kind of a mimosa. Sure. Of sure. So it creates a... you're holding on to that tradition of the very first flight. Yep. That's very cool. Well, let me ask you this. Here's a deep question for you. Knowing what you know now and the experiences that you had, not just in being a balloon pilot and a balloon maker, just life in general, if you were able to go back to that 33 years ago when you first started ballooning, what advice would you give to yourself about the process? <laughs>
1: oh boy, that's uh, that's a tough one. Um, I I don't know that I could give myself any advice other than what I've done in the last 33 years. It's, it's been a fun ride for me. Uh, I don't regret any of it. I've traveled uh, quite a bit. Like I say, we went to... I've been to Australia twice, where I have shipped balloons down there and flown in uh, their balloon festivals.
0: Okay. also flown in Mexico and all around the western United States. So. Uh, have you flown other country Any other countries?
1: Uh, I did fly in Mexico a couple of times. Okay. But um, yeah, but that's all. Other than that, it's just been almost all of the
0: Western states I've been to and flown in. Is there any place that you'd like to fly that you have yet to do?
1: No, to be perfectly honest, I, at this point in my life, am thoroughly happy with just flying here in uh, Lafayette into Erie on weekends. Uh, And I do that pretty regularly and uh, do a couple of balloon festivals out of town, like I said, mountain festivals. Sure. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it for me at this point. I just enjoy it very
0: much. Now, Colorado, we're a state that has all four seasons, uh, even here in May, <laughs> as we might find out on Friday. When is the when is the ballooning season? Like, obviously, you can't balloon in the wintertime, or, or can you?
1: Well, you can, sure. It's the difference in temperature that gives you the lift. So if it's cool outside, you don't have to create as much heat inside the blood on to create lift. So to fly in the winter is really very easy. um, And you don't burn much fuel, but you got to put up with the cold temperatures, which when I was young and stupid, it didn't bother me. I used to do it all the time. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) uh, later on in life, you know, uh, I just I don't enjoy the cold so much. And uh, so I, I don't fly in the winter. Now, my flying is May to October. Okay. And uh, sometime in November um, I'll pack it up and put it away for the winter.
0: And for you that's mostly based on just the temperatures, the outside temperature being warm enough so that you're yep. comfortable on the yep. ride. Yep. Do they yep. make blo- do they make balloons that are enclosed for um, for like the average person?
1: No. No. Almost all all the balloons today have five of the wicker baskets. Okay. Uh, wicker wicker bends and gives and doesn't break, uh, so if you're making a bumpy landing, it's it's much safer in a wicker basket. But I don't think uh, there's any manufacturer today that's making uh, anything other than wicker baskets. Sure. And and they're all open. I don't know any any enclosed ones. That would defeat the purpose
0: of it. I think. Right, I <laughs> I would agree. I would agree with that. What do you see for coming up with uh, your ballooning in the future? Anything planned, special, other than just uh, doing the festivals or doing the rides?
1: No, nothing uh, Nothing different than what I have been doing for for many years. Um, We'll do the same balloon festivals that we've done in the past, and I'll fly on weekends uh, locally. The only reason I just fly on weekends is it's hard to get crew people to help you during the week. I have to deal with the the working class, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Being retired, I I would love to fly during the week, but uh, again, you have to have help to do it. So Mostly just a weekend flyer.
0: Now, would you like people to get in touch with you about if they're interested in flying at all?
1: Um, Not particularly for me. I have a pretty, a pretty good group of crew people That have been with me for several years. So, but I would encourage anybody to come out to the area event, particularly on Sunday, because Sunday looks like the day we're going to fly. And that's also crew day when we can, you know, fly crew and friends. Sure. And uh, just walk out on the field, ask balloons if they're looking for crew help.
0: And where does that that balloon launch take off from?
1: It's the Colorado National Golf Course which used to be Vista Ridge Golf Course. That's on
0: Highway 7. Okay, and that's just uh, west of I-25, correct? On Highway 7?
1: Yes, west of I-25 off Highway 7, east of uh,
0: Lafayette. Yeah, you can't you can't miss it, especially if you go out there early morning. You'll see the balloons. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, right. I'm going to share, you talked a little bit about fair winds. Uh, I'm going to th- just for anybody listening to the podcast, I'm just going to promote them as a commercial balloon operation. Uh, Jeff Meeker, the owner of Fairwinds, it's called Fair Winds Hot Air Balloon Flights. You can contact them. They are local here in Colorado. And just look them up and you can contact them for, a, um, for a, a commercial flight if you want to go out. Otherwise, we've got the Erie Town Fair coming up this weekend in May. And then you said also in the Springs is another festival for people who live on the Front Range.
1: Yeah,
0: that's that's a big one. Uh, it's Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend in Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah. Steve, any any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Anything that you've, uh, won in part, words of wisdom.
1: <laughs> words of wisdom? Nah, no, not really. <laughs> just, uh, just enjoy the balloons.
0: Enjoy the balloons. That's that's a great piece right there. Let's just end it with that. <laughs> There you have it, another episode of the Crave Magazine Podcast. Once again, our music is from the Desert Dwellers. Love these guys, just love their music, love the fact that they're letting us use their music. And please do check them out at desertdwellers.org. And thanks to Steve Hunter, our balloon pilot, balloonist, balloon guy, um, we look forward to seeing him soon at the Erie Town Fair. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. With your help, we can make that happen, so please, take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes, and if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know, and if you are an artist, or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts, so tell us how we can improve. Remember, Always be good to one another, and of course, take time to feed your soul with art.